Welcome to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast for technical writers. I'm your host, Tom Johnson of the Suncoast Chapter in Florida. In this episode, I talk with Scott Abel of Content Management Professionals as he talks about the purpose of content management and their organization. Scott, you're the vice president of Content Management Pros, right? That's correct. How long have you been in that position? Um, I've been in the position for a little less than a year. Uh, I was elected to the board of directors along with um, several other people during the regular course of election. Good. So tell me a little bit about the purpose of Content Management Pros. Uh, Content Management Professionals is an individual membership organization, and uh, it's basically set up to give people who want to learn about content management a uh, way to have some human connections and kind of build smart bridges, if you will, to folks who already know about content management issues and kind of give you a a network that you can call upon when you need help. So we have all types of members. We have consultants who specialize in things like workflow or content management systems or integration or XML or translation. And then we also have individual uh, members that might be educators. They might also be specialists inside of a company where they can't offer their services, but they can share what they know. Um, so it's kind of a it, it's kind of an organization that tries to fill a niche that is not filled by some of the other kinds of communication organizations that are out there. So, about how many people are in the organization? Well, the organization is almost three years old. And uh, myself and 29 others from uh, several different countries around the world met at the Gilbane Conference at content, on Content Management a few, uh, well, almost three years ago. And uh, we started with 30 people, and now we're almost up to 1,000. Oh, wow. How do most people find out about it? Um, content Management Professionals is basically a virtual organization. So the website... Uh, www.cmpros.org is the customer-facing um, content, if you will, and the, and the most common way that people bump into us. We also um, co-sponsor other events, and we hold face-to-face meetings at them. So, for instance, the Society for Technical Communication Conference, there's usually a uh, CM Pros face-to-face meeting. We also have summits. Um, and summits are more formal. They're held twice annually, once on the East Coast, once on the West Coast for the U.S. audience. We also have summits being held in Europe um, it's several times a year as well. Those summits are one-day events that are tied to larger content management conferences. Usually the organizers of those conferences are nice enough to let us co-locate with them. So therefore we can kind of... Um, borrow some of their resources and have our event at the exact same place using the same equipment and the same rooms and, and therefore get kind of a better deal so we can afford to have our events. You have an upcoming summit that you were talking about. Can you give me, give me some details about that, where, it, where it's at, how many people will attend, what the theme will be? I can do that. This is our East Coast U.S. summit that we're talking about here. It's theme is content management in the world enterprise, and it's held at the Weston Copley Place in Boston, Massachusetts on November the 27th. 
in conjunction with the third annual Gilbane Conference on Content Management, which takes place the 28th, 29th, and 30th in the same location. The summit attracts about 100 attendees, and it has uh, everybody kind of, it's a gathering place, it's really uh, very diverse, everybody from well-known content management consultants to representatives of corporate content management project teams, independent content strategists, uh, you know, from the big name industry analysts, uh, writers, editors, translators working in the trenches, you name it. If it has something to do with a content-heavy organization, there's somebody representing them. We also usually have a few members of the media um, who are starting to recognize that content is something that needs to be managed as an asset. And uh, magazines even that are common in our industry, uh, information technology types of magazines are starting to realize that content management is a discipline, not just a uh, type of software. So the summit will be, you know, a one-day event held in Boston, and uh, there's great discounts available if you purchase tickets before September the 30th uh, using the CMPros website, www.cmpros.org. Um, if you're not a member and you register to attend the summit, you get a great discount and you get a free one-year membership in CMPros, along with a discount to the Gilbank Conference on Content Management Technology. Hey, that sounds pretty pretty interesting. So it's in conjunction with the Gilbane Conference, you said? Yeah, the Gilbane Conference is run by a gentleman named Frank Gilbane, who's been around the documentation and information technology industries for 25 years or so now. Um, he's ran conferences uh, in the past that were more uh, associated with technical communication, but kind of realized that Technical communication is simply part of content management, and, and he's merged his conference in that direction. The Gilbane Conference um, offered CM Pros a opportunity when we first started because Frank is also a founding member of CM Pros, and so uh, we're part we're co-located with them as a convenience. Um, they're gracious enough to offer us uh, the ability to do this, uh, but we're also negotiating with other conference organizers to have. Uh, summits in conjunction with their conferences in both the United States, Canada, and Australia. I want to kind of get into content management a little bit more. Sure. Can you just tell me some of the maybe advantages of, of content management and why somebody would want to uh, use a content management system? Yeah, the best example I can come up with is that if you look up the word management in the dictionary, you'll see that it's all about control. And the simple fact is we're out of control. We don't have control over our content. Even in companies that think they control their content, they really don't. And that's because we rely on computer technologies that we each, as individual professionals, learned how to negotiate ourselves. So we learned how to use word processing software, and we learned how to copy and paste it from one kind of software to another. And, and we got the job done, right? We printed our reports. We emailed our, you know, updates. <laughs> we created our PowerPoint slides. We did all kinds of things, but we didn't do it in a controlled environment. And so really content management is about acknowledging that your content is a business asset and that you pay your employees to create it, and and yet you don't manage it. So content management is about kind of getting a hold of the content. Uh, think of it this way. 
you would never kind of let your 401k fund just exist on its own. You, in, in other words, it wouldn't be acceptable to say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't find your 401k fund. <laughs> Somebody yeah. must have renamed your account another name, <laughs> and we can't find it when we search the Internet. Or, or what if your 401k balance didn't add up to what it should? Because, you know, it's not that important. And so I think content is starting to be looked at as, as something that's an asset that's important enough to actually manage like you would money or product inventory or your risk. An attorney manages, you know, the risk factors that an organization faces. When you start to manage your content, you can do things like increase productivity. You can reduce inefficiencies by automating manual processes. You can reduce risk, uh, just about the aforementioned kind of uh, you know, uh, inefficient way of handling a 401k fund, which of course would never happen. But you could, if you could control your content, you can control what's being said, what your company is putting out for the public to read. And you can write something once and use it often. Technical communicators and trainers and, and others that are in content heavy industries have known this is a problem for quite some time. But we've usually addressed it in the best way we knew how, which was we need a new tool. And so while we do need content management systems to help us keep track of the version, to have an audit trail so we can revert back to an old version if we discover that the new version is released prematurely, so that we can prove in a court of law what we said on a certain day at a certain time was indeed exactly what was said so we can control the risk that our company has when we produce inefficient uh, or outdated, incongruent, inaccurate information. So basically, content management and content management systems are becoming important because they save money, they reduce risk, and they can help you provide better customer service. You said uh, a couple of things that caught my attention that sure. con content management systems help you automate processes and also you can write content once and use it often. Can you give more detail on both of those? Sure. The first thing I could say is that content management systems by themselves can't help you automate cannot help you automate anything. <laughs> but if you can document a procedure, a process, a way that you do work. So for instance, you go you create a document, you pass it on to a reviewer, a reviewer edits the document, they send it back to the author, the author mm -hmm. makes the changes and the revisions and agrees with the reviewer, creates a final version, sends it to somebody else who will approve it, yes, but this is a blessed document, it is okay to go where it needs to go. Then it needs to go to somebody who will prepare it as a PDF or email it or create a newsletter online or a website article or a magazine, you know, or an annual report, whatever the document ends up being. So in this example, you have all of these processes, and they are step-by-step. -step, they're linear. In, a, in other words, you can't distribute the document before it's approved. You can't approve a document mm -hmm. before it's been edited. You can't edit a document before it's been written. So if you can write a process down and kind of use your content management thinking hat to say, how should this optimally work? What's the, what's the precise way this should work in a perfect world? Content management systems have 
the ability to help you capture those rules and help you automate some of the process. So here's a great example. If you know that I fill a role as a writer and that writers write content, and then you fill a role as an editor and editors edit content, the content management system can be programmed to say when Scott completes the document and checks it into the system and he says, hey, I'm done with my job, it can automatically route it to you, Tom, the editor, and tell you that Scott's done. Now it's your task, and you have this amount of time to get it done. Uh, this is your deadline, and if you can't do it by this deadline, the system will keep track of that and alert the boss of Scott and Tom that there's a delay. Now, this may be because you called in sick to work, and it's a perfectly legitimate uh, you know, reason that you weren't there. So the tool's not meant to spy on you. But the manager is now empowered to know that Scott did his work, he checked it into the system, the system sent it to Tom, Tom did not respond because Tom is sick, which is okay. The manager deals with your personal issue, but now the manager can say, I'm going to route that document to another editor. And, and so if you think about it, without somebody keeping track of all the minutia that goes on in these processes, we don't really have a control over what we're doing, especially managers uh, that manage content. Uh, and that would be like a documentation manager. Uh, reuse was the second type of benefit that I talked about. And content management systems, especially if they're designed to be XML content management systems, and this can take us into a whole other uh, <laughs> conversation. But what you're looking for if you're a content-heavy organization and you want to reuse content is to select a content management system that's designed specifically to manage large content and to create, help you create documents, large documents, from a single source. So they're called XML repositories in uh, some vernacular. Uh, what they do is they allow you to create a modular piece of content, let's say a product description, and you can think about the product description as belonging to a training manual about that product. But if you think about it, if you write a product description well, you should be able to use that same description in the commercial that, that, that you might have on television, in the voicemail when somebody's on or the uh, on hold message, when somebody calls into your company and they're placed on hold and you hear somebody talking about the product, or in your newsletter, or on your website. And so if you think about it, you could write a lot of content and it could be reused in multiple places if only you knew in advance you you know where you were going to reuse it. Once you know where it's going to be reused and where it should be, you can just like workflow you can program a content management system to do that. The great thing about that is that that piece of content exists only once. And so if it's changed, because let's say we upgrade our product and we change it in some way, so we need to change the product description, we change it only in one place. And that change is reflected all throughout all the other places that use that piece of content. Thank you. It that brings a lot of clarity to those things. Uh, I have another question. It seems like when you talk about content management systems, 
seems like it would be something designed for a very large organization and it would cost a million dollars and it would require a big IT team to implement. Are there less expensive versions that smaller companies can implement? Well, it's difficult to talk about content management systems in a traditional way. Today we say, I need to buy a car, I have $10,000, so I can only afford these types of cars. When you buy a content management system in your large organization, just because you can afford the million-dollar one doesn't, even, doesn't mean that's an appropriate purchase for you. So the first thing I would say is that you have to use your business decisions and to decide what tools you need. You take your business requirements and you match them up with the capabilities of the tool. There are indeed free, low-cost, open-source, all kinds of different flavors of tools that could cost you <clears throat> virtually nothing to obtain. The, the uh, secret behind all of this is there's a cost to everything. Free tools can indeed end up costing you sometimes more than a tool that you paid ten dollars or $20,000 for because it requires specialized knowledge. So you'll have to find resources who know how to, to do what you need to, to uh, make the tools do what you need it to do. There's no tool, unfortunately, that speaks English where you can just say, whip me up a, a nice template that I can use to create a product, <laughs> and I'd like some documentation too. If it were that easy, I would say, yes, you, could, you can use any kind of tool you like. But if you think about it, I talked about content management earlier about acknowledging that content needs to be controlled. So even something as simple as a blogging tool can be a content management system. Now, it doesn't mean it has all the criteria for meeting a, an official kind of content management system workflow. Maybe not. Uh, version control, maybe. Maybe not. But maybe you don't need that. In my business, I have a blog called the Content Wrangler. My blog software is less than 100 or so dollars a year. Um, I could, you know, read all the online health files and learn how to customize it all by myself. Um, I do seek help from an external person who's better at uh, designing software than I am. And uh, so for maybe $1,000 a year, I have a system that manages everything that I possibly needed to. As long as I'm connected to a computer with some electricity and a connection to the Internet, I can publish content. I can look up things that I need. I can route documents to other people. I can send an email campaign to 8,000 people, all within a really inexpensive tool. So the answer to your question is yes. Your mileage may vary. It doesn't matter how big your company is. The price of the tool shouldn't be the factor. It should, of course, be in a perfect world, what do you really need? And what kind of resources do you have in your company to kind of harness and make the content management system work to your advantage? What kind of background does somebody need to get involved in content management pro professionals? Do you have to be a really experienced, knowledgeable person about content management, or can you be somebody who's just getting into it? No, content management professionals is actually set up to bridge the gap between those who have the knowledge and those who need it. So indeed, if you don't know much about content management, but you know you need to get a handle on the way that you do anything with content, manage it, translate it, localize it, uh, move it around, uh, share it with others, collaborate, 
all of those kinds of things you can learn from other content management uh, professional members. Um, I'd say that we probably have a pretty uh, good division. I'd say a lot of people are new. Probably 30% of our memberships are, are so-called newbies. They don't know much, but they know a lot about their industry and where they come from. They're writers. They're editors. They're journalists. They're marketing and publicity people. They're public relations staff. They're sales guys and gals. Um, you know, they're all over the board, and they're and, and lawyers. Uh, in fact, are also uh, often involved because they have lots of content that needs to be accurate. It needs to be consistently accurate, and so um, we find that about a third of our members uh, come from a content-heavy organization, but they're not really content managers. They're just somehow involved in the content lifecycle. Another third, I think, would be fair to say, come from the professional services industry. They're people that provide content services of one type or another, from content creation to delivery to publishing to training uh, people how to use software tools. Um, and then we have another third that are probably people who implement and work with content management systems, people who create open source content management systems, or those who work on specific brand name products, and they just happen to be very good at what they do. They might do it as a business themselves, or they might do it internally for a large corporation. Uh, we probably have a little, you know, also a little segment there, uh, maybe 5% or so, that are educators um, or, or people that are interested for some reason other than the reasons I've mentioned. At this upcoming summit conference that you guys are having? Sure. <clears throat> Is that geared towards experts, or can newbies attend, or or what's the expected level? That no, actually, um, the presenters and the people who have just been selected to present at this year's summit in Boston are told that the audience is uh, everyone from new, beginning, kind of people who are trying to understand content management, all the way up to experts. So it's not uncommon to sit at, at a round table with someone that you know from your industry who's written a book <laughs> or you know, um, is, is a really powerful software developer or somebody that's uh, well-known as a journalist. And then right beside you might be someone from another country uh, that knows absolutely nothing about content management, but their employer has said, you're getting ready to move into this role. I want you to go learn all you can. There may be people from uh, uh, medical companies. We've had nurses. I mean, you name it. <laughs> Anybody that has to, to manage content is there. The types of uh, sessions that you would find would be uh, understanding global content management systems. In other words, um, do you have to select a certain kind of tool if you're wanting to manage content that's published in multiple languages? Um, what about XML? There's, there's a big track on XML. We have a track on thinking about content globally but acting local, locally. Um, we have a lot of Canadians that are actually coming to teach those sessions because uh, as Americans, we often were not taught to think outside of our neighborhoods or what would it mean you know, to think about a second language with all of the importance of Spanish uh, playing a role in society today, um, we're ill-equipped to think about what does it mean to move to creating content 
for a Latino audience. So we'll have sessions on that as well. We have uh, sessions on data, on indexing, on managing multilingual content on the web, and a special uh, workshop on simplified technical English. So I, I think you would find uh, levels, uh, courses appropriate for all levels, as well as uh, a good mix of attendees. In what ways do do the people in content management professionals interact? Let's say somebody can't make it to this conference, but they're still interested in learning about content management and they want to get it more involved in the content management pros organization. Do you, do you have other sort of ways that you interact, such as listservs or news groups or other chat sessions or what? Yes, we do, actually. we The first thing that uh, is the easiest thing to kind of join when you become a member is we do have a listserv. The listserv um, serves several purposes. Uh, you can introduce yourself, uh, ask questions, try to find help, you know, all the usual things you would expect out of a subject matter specific listserv. We also have a publicity listserv that's appropriate for people who are marketing kind of classes and events and workshops and things like that, and tools for that matter. So you can keep up to date if you'd like on those issues. We have communities as well, both virtual communities and in-person communities. So the event is held in Boston, and there's a Massachusetts uh, community of content management professionals. They meet locally. Um, it's like a chapter. Uh, we just call them communities, but they're local in nature. We have them in Australia. We have them in Denmark. We have them in other places in Europe. We're starting one in Japan. There's one in Florida. Um, so. Those are ways that you can also interact. Online, there are kind of passive ways that you can participate. For instance, when you become a member of CM Pros, there is a CM Profile, which is an interview, a 10-question interview that we do with new members. And then we uh, rotate those interviews and we post them to our website. And then once a week or so, we feature a new member on the site. It gives you kind of a chance to announce yourself to others. And oftentimes we find that people contact these members and say, hey, I'm like you too, or I can help you, or you can help me, or I want to buy your product, or, you know, do you want a job? <laughs> there are all kinds of uh, uh, benefits, of course, to exposing yourself to that audience. We also have newsletters. Um, we have some resource libraries available, including a content management glossary that's syndicatable, so you can actually add it to your website if you'd like, and it will deliver an RSS feed of content management terms and their definition. Wow. And it's a wiki, ironically, so if you'd like to contribute as a member, you can say, hey, I have something to add to that term, and you can actually edit the term yourself or add a little bit to it. And, uh, and make a contribution that way. I'm looking at your website right now, cmpros.org. Is that an example of a content management system website? Well, CMPros is actually behind the scenes run by a website uh, software package, actually several, built, on, uh, uh, built by hand by uh, some really intelligent people. Um, it is not always the best technology, so we're learning as an organization that um, there are some times when you want to build your own and sometimes when you want to buy a service. So when you think about content management professionals and a website, really, we're a bunch of people that are interested in content management. 
So it stands to reason we'll want to tinker around with the content management system and maybe build some interesting widgets and things ourselves. But um, we are also a membership organization. So we're making some changes here in the near future where we'll actually purchase a software package that will help us to better collect revenue and manage memberships and, and do things that we're not very good at doing. Yeah, I think your site is very informative. I mean, I, I think it's pretty impressive, actually. There's a lot of, of resources available here, and it's it looks well organized to me. So I hope your your new site lives up to this at least these expectations. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change a lot. I think um, the things that we're trying to change are the things that uh, we're not experts in. So when you think about becoming a member of an organization, that costs money because there are dues associated with it. There's also a transaction that involves banks and credit cards mm. and usability and third-party security. And um, when you're a content management professional, you know, if you dabble in the IT side, you might be able to build those systems on your own. You might even be able to make them work. But it doesn't mean they're going to be the most friendly, user-friendly, or the most um, uh, kind of integratable easily into the way that people expect them to work. You know, there's often a de facto standard um, in content management. If you think about the websites that you visit ordinarily, Amazon has probably set the bar really high for companies that want to sell stuff on the web because, hey, you can buy something with one click. <laughs> so why should a transaction involve, you know, five or six screens and five or six clicks if Amazon can do it in one? So my message here is we're kind of even looking and saying, would we, would we do this with our clients or would we recommend that they get get somebody that specializes in transactions. So the things that we're not really good at, we're going to get somebody who specializes in them to help us. And I think that's what we all need to do. I mean, if you are working for a company and you can build a content management system, that certainly doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Scott, what if somebody is, is trying to <clears throat> hire a content management consultant? Can they look at CM Pros for a list of possible consultants in their area? Yes, and actually that is part of the uh, new part of the site that we'll be rolling out soon. Currently we have a membership directory, and you can find people by location, geographic location. Uh, you can find them in some communities, but you can't really sort them by profession or availability or specialization, but we hope to roll that out relatively soon. For now, there are still ways that you can find them. There is a section of the website called the CM Profile, which is located, excuse me, under Membership CM Profile. And anyone who's profiled there, they've told you a little bit about themselves and what they do for a living. So that's one place you can start. Second, if you were really looking for somebody and just didn't know where to go, you could email one of us at info at cmprofessionals.org. And we'd be happy to try to direct you in the right uh, in the right way for you. Those are about all my questions, Scott. Is have I not asked you something that you'd like to answer or comment on? No, except for I would like to see you at the CM Pros <laughs> Fall Summit in Boston. I think it would be interesting for you to come and bring a recording device into a lot of 
podcast from the event. And, and you won't be the only one. There are several people that are actually using this as an opportunity to corner some of the gurus <laughs> when they can and pull them aside for a beer and a conversation. Well, I think it would be awesome if you if you were to record those presentations. I think that sort of uh, thing is definitely within the realm of technical possibility. So, I think we'll give it a shot, and then <laughs> I'll let you know what we find. All right. Well, thanks, Scott. You are listening to a podcast from TechWriterVoices.com, a podcast sponsored by the Suncoast chapter of the STC. I want to encourage you to check out www.cmpros.org. There you can register for the Content Management Professional Summit in Boston on November 27th. And if you have questions, go ahead and send Scott Abel an email at abelsp at netdirect.net. You can also see his site www.thecontentwrangler.com Some of the music was provided by Podsafe Music Network for this podcast. You can see more specifics in the show notes.